This podcast contains toilet humour, rude words, and lots of spoilers. When life gets you down, your car just won't start. Agony on. It's time for Agony on. If you've reached a dead end, you're not sure what to do. Agony on. Well, Agony on is for you. At times life is grand, you've got the world in your hands. Then somehow you drop that ball. Drop that ball. Instead of watching it fall, give Agony on a call. Hello everyone, and welcome back to a brand new series of Agony Art, the Agony Art podcast in which we try and solve your problems, not by giving you any advice that's actually useful, no sorry, but by referring you to how such problems were dealt with in the great art of our age. My name is Liam, I'm a part-time host and vice president of music here at Agony Art, and I'm joined, as always, by our literary general manager, Aaron. Hello. And our chief film officer, Carl. Hello, we've gone very corporate, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, very corporate. Why, why are you the vice president of music? Who's the president? We've been bought out, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like vice president is one of those titles that always you know, people always have, you know, it doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> All right, okay. So it's been a while, guys. Have you been up to much between the two series? I spent most of the time like attending podcast awards and slapping the presenters. <laughs> Keep my podcast name out of your goddamn mouth. <laughs> How about you, Carl? Um, a few bits and pieces. I've been watching films. Um, I'm keeping a list, actually. I'm not going to read the list, but keeping a list of new films I watched in 2022. Mm. So if you've seen it before... How many are on the list so far? Uh, three, oh. four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Say the number again, louder. 20. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I can see you as I was reading my list thinking, why is this not numbered? Right. <laughs> yeah, you should consider numbering the list, I think. What have you been doing, Liam? Um, bits and pieces. I've, uh, I've acquired a, a couple new hobbies. I've been learning. Oh, you needed more of them. I did, I oh, did, yeah. God almighty. <laughs> no wonder we've been able to get in touch with you. <laughs> I've been learning Spanish, actually. Oh, yeah? Go on, say something. Do toast in Spanish. Right, so here's the thing, right? I'm following this method, which... The theory dictates that you don't actually do any speaking <laughs> Fuck yeah. until until about kind of until you've had, I think it's something along the lines of 600 to 1000 hours of input of the language. Jesus fucking Christ. So I'm trying not to speak, but it's quite difficult because I like speaking. I remember watching Narcos. My wife speaks Spanish. And she'll say, if you say to her, do you speak Spanish? She'll be like, no, 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 no. But she really does. And um, she used to um, like not having subtitles on Narcos. And I'd be like, I don't know what's happening. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Have they caught the bad man yet? <laughs> Come wife. on, Pablo. No. <laughs> right. I think we need to... We've all been away. We've all been doing non-podcast related things. It's probably fair to say we're all a bit rusty. I think, I think we need to get back into the groove. I've got an idea about how we can limber ourselves up a bit. And get ready for... Uh, Pilates. You know. Downward dog. <laughs> get off me, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've done, um, we've done vocal warm-ups in the past, and we've done word association games. And this is, uh, this is a bit similar to that. Uh, it's, uh, it's a tongue twister. And I, I don't know, you, I'm counting on the fact that you won't be familiar with it, but you might be. I'm not a pheasant plucker, I'm a pheasant <laughs> plucker's son. I'm only plucking pheasants till the pheasant plucking's done. That's very good. But if woodchuck could chuck wood, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if woodchuck could chuck wood? <laughs> I, I think you two are going to be really good at this. <laughs> are you familiar with a, a tongue twister about a young lady named Betty Botter? No. 
No. <laughs> All right. You're probably going to need to Google this. I came across this last year, right? And it, it is, it's become my favorite tongue twister. And I, I want to see how you two fare with it. And we can, we can make it competitive if you want. So I can time you. <laughs> and uh, I, I'll, I'll judge you on your speed, your elocution, your damage and aggression. <laughs> damage and aggression. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody fucking bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to go first? All right. <clears throat> Oh, really? This is harder for us, isn't it, Carl? We've never seen this before. Liam's no. been you practicing can... this all week in Spanish. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, you can have a practice run if you want. No, it's all no, right. Go I'm going to go straight in. All right. This is Ninja Warrior UK. <laughs> Tongue version. So start whenever you want and I'll, I'll start timing. Betty Butter bought some butter, but she said this butter's bitter. If I put it in my batter, it will make my batter bitter. But a bit of better butter, that would make my batter better. So she bought a bit of butter better than her bitter butter. And she put it in her better, and the better was not bitter. So twas Betty, fuck. <laughs> so twas better body butter bought a bit of better butter. <laughs> Aaron's had a stroke. <laughs> I mean, for, as, for a first try, that, I think that's a lot better than you think it was. <laughs> um, I think I've filled my pants with body butter. <laughs> Just doing that. <laughs> All right, let's let's do this. All right. Betty Butter bought some butter, but she said the butter's bitter. If I put it in my batter, I will make the batter bitter. But a bit, <laughs> but a bit of butter better. That would make my batter better. So she bought a bit of butter better than a bit of butter, and she put it in her batter, and the batter was not bitter. So it's, so it was better. <laughs> Betty Butter bought a bit of better butter. Fucking <laughs> hell! The words lose meaning after a while don't they? Yeah, I don't know if I'm saying words anymore my, my brain rejected it like, like stop this <laughs> so that was that was actually really close time wise you were both 21 seconds oh 21 that's why that's why we used to be in so solid yeah. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to have to give it to Aaron because I think you had less mistakes overall but you, you both did really well I only beat you on a technicality car. <laughs> TKO <laughs> I think what makes this difficult, though, is all the T's, isn't it? So the way I like to do it is to take out all of the T's. Ah. So this this is the way I like to say it. Betty Butter bought some butter, but she said the butter's bitter. If I put it in my batter, it'll make my batter bitter. But a bit of better butter, that'll make my batter better. So she bought a bit of butter better than a bit of butter. And she put it in a batter, and the batter was not bitter. So it's a better Betty Butter bought a bit of better butter. <laughs> the Chaz and Dave version. The, uh... The words definitely lost meaning that time. <laughs> anyway, we should probably get on with it. But before we do get into things, let's start, as always, by making it crystal clear that we're not here to solve your life's hardest problems. All of our problems are either trivial, fictional, sometimes even both, and we are in no way qualified to give life advice. So if you're seriously struggling, the best we can do is refer you to our website. That's agonyartpodcast.com, which has some details of actual professionals that you can talk to. Well then, let's get on with the show. Problem one for today. My favourite podcast stopped putting out new episodes last Christmas. Wait a minute. And it's been so long that I'm starting to feel terrified that it will never return. What am I supposed to read, watch or listen to if my top pod is over forever? Don't worry, we're back. <laughs> I thought they were talking about cereal. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have this problem at all with uh, with podcasts or I guess, shows. Yeah, we've had it with TV series recently. You build up a little list, don't you, of things. Oh, we've got to watch that next. We've reached the end of our list and we've been like, fuck, what should we do now? 
where we haven't really had like a nice settling down spot, we've kind of neglected TV completely. So mm. we sit down thinking, what should we watch? And we end up watching like stuff that's on, which is Joe like with adverts and things. Yeah, like, that is awful. It's a really bad. We're place living to in be. the nineties. I can't. know. Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> We had it a bit with Below Deck after we watched 16 <laughs> series. Below Deck. <laughs> Below Deck, it's just like the Spider-Man one. It's, um, it's, <laughs> Keith no, Badman. No, it's, it's, it's Brian Bellows' Below Deck, haven't you seen it? <laughs> I had a dream that uh, my wife got a job in my department, was immediately promoted above me, and her first client was Brian Bellow. <laughs> Two days ago. That is an amazing coincidence. <laughs> I had a dream last night that I was in a church and everyone in the church was made of like a hard milk that was melting. Really? That's yeah. so weird. It was, isn't it? Anyway, sorry, carry what about on. Brian <laughs> um, I don't know. That's so, that was so bizarre. I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> anyway, we need to think of a name for our biggest fan, apparently. Mr. Pickles. Mr. Pickles. All right, then. Who can, who can start us off with a bit of help for Mr. Pickles? Yeah, I think I can help, Mr. Pickles. First of all, as I said, Mr. Pickles, it's good to be back. Uh, we're here now. It you don't need so to worry about it. It feels so good to be back. <laughs> People! But just in case it's not us you were waiting for, Mr. Pickles, it seems like it probably was. Definitely us. Is there yeah. another podcast that does this? Just in case it's not us. I think you should probably just be patient. There are loads of reasons that your favourite podcasters might not be putting out content right now. So I thought I'd give you some examples of books that took a long time to arrive and, you know, how the wait was worth it. First one is, you might not have heard of this one, it's quite a niche book, but The Lord of the Rings. What's that then? By J.R.R. Tolkien. Is that the sequel to The Lord of the Flies? (laughs) (laughs) Is it about a a video that you die within seven days if you watch it? It's a bit of a crossover. It's about a bunch of boys who are stuck on an island watching a video. <laughs> so then like, they get a phone call. It's like Lost then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Saeed is there and he's fixing the radio. <laughs> now, J.R.R. Tolkien had to be persuaded to write a sequel to The Hobbit by his publishers. And he started work in December 1937. And The Fellowship of the Ring was published... In 1954, 17 Ooh, years later. J.R.R. Tolkien, he, I don't know if every author does this, you might be able to pitch in on this. He wrote an awful lot of like lore and backstory for Middle Earth, mm. didn't he? That like was eventually published, but wasn't at the time. Yeah, not every author does do that. There are, um, I mean, I don't, I can't speak authoritatively on this because I'm not really an author. I've <laughs> self published a few books, but. Uh, you get plotters and pantsers, they call them. <laughs> um, plotters are people who will plot everything out and, you know, they'll be writing little side stories and stuff like that to, like, no, flesh world, out world their world. Building. Yeah, exactly, world building and stuff like that. You did, say, you did say plotter and not plopper, didn't you? Because <laughs> I've just got <laughs> ploppers and pantsers in my head now. <laughs> well, pantsers are, you know, riding on the seat of their pants. They're um, taking it one scene at a time and they will be building the world as they go. So what are you, a plotter or a pantser? A little bit of both. I don't quite, you know, let the story take me where it wants to go. (laughs) (laughs) I do kind of think this is where it's going, but I don't plot it out exactly. All the excitement's gone. (laughs) If you've plotted it all out. Just like I don't really, you know, research all of the things that I'm going to talk about in the pod. 
Because where would where would the excitement be? Yeah, <laughs> you read all the books. <laughs> yeah. uh, talking of books, I haven't read "Gone with the Wind" by Margaret Mitchell. She started work in 1926 while she was recovering from a car crash, and it was published in 1936, ten years later. This is the prequel to "Wind in the Willows," isn't it? <laughs> For fuck's sake! <laughs> <laughs> Now, was it worth the wait? The book was called Profoundly Racist and Profoundly Wrong by James Lowen. But it also won the Pulitzer Prize for fiction. So, you know, it depends on your perspective. If you if you love racism... <laughs> Maybe the judges were a bunch of racists. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Winds of Winter by George R.R. R. Martin, as you say, yeah. Carl. With yeah. The last mainline Game of Thrones book was released in... Well, Song of Ice and Fire book, sorry was released in 2011. Oh, 2011, was it? Mm, and here we are in 2022 at time of recording. Is that me, still me, waiting me, for Me it? and Liam used to regularly, like, probably once a month speak about chapters have been released, oh, yeah. when do you think it's going to come out? And we gave up probably five years ago, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, since then, he's released eight books and has his name plastered all over the biggest video game of 2022, oh, yeah, Elden Ring. Elden Ring so. Yeah. Maybe, you know, take example from George R.R. R. Martin, maybe your favourite podcasters, Pickles, Mr. Pickles, Pickles is my father. <laughs> <laughs> maybe your favourite podcasters are working on other projects while you're waiting for their next instalment. And the main one that I actually wanted to talk about, I mean, there are loads of examples of these, but the main one was Sphere by Michael Crichton. He started work on that in 1967. It was published in 1987, 20 years later. Do you remember book? Sphere, is the film? Yeah, I do, yeah. No, it was a novel. Oh, I do remember the film, though, yeah. Uh, it tells the story of a team of scientists investigating a spaceship found at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean, which... I'm thinking of a spawn. Uh... <laughs> Different. <laughs> Different. Uh, which appears to have come back from the future and which contains a sphere which appears to be manifesting their thoughts into reality. You don't remember this? I've definitely seen this. Yeah, it had... Um, it was adapted into a 1988, 1998 sorry, film starring Dustin Hoffman, Samuel L. Jackson and Sharon Stone. Yes, I've had it on DVD, Warner Brothers DVD, ones with like a weird opening. Which? It's like cardboard. Yeah? Yeah, oh, the cover was yeah. cardboard and you have to clip it open like a file. Yeah. Yeah, had it on DVD. <laughs> film absolutely bombed. I remember it, seeing it when I was a kid and thinking it was quite good. Yeah, me too. 11% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. 38% audience score. But Michael Crichton... You're probably familiar with the name Michael Crichton. He wrote a lot of things. And I was going to talk about how prolific he was. And although he took 20 years to write this one, he wrote a lot of other things. Jurassic Park, ER was his idea, the show. George Clooney. Yeah. Yep. Twister, he wrote that film. Great Di film. Disclosure. Great film. And I was going to talk about his talent for writing, you know, stories that get turned into films or shows. But then I read this review of Sphere and it proved me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Carlo Cavagna on aboutfilm.com said, Let's face facts. Michael Crichton is a hack. He comes up with innovative concepts, but his characters are cardboard cutouts. Given the psychological foundations of the story, that's an egregious flaw, and the ending is absurdly dissatisfying. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe don't watch the film sphere, but you could read some Michael Crichton books while you wait for your new favourite pod to come out. Your old favourite to return, I mean. <laughs> I got two things from that. You're saying actually maybe they're working on something else and that might be interesting to you as well. Yeah. Um, also, here are some other recommendations of stuff you could be doing in the meantime. Yes, yeah, so it's like there are several reasons that they could be, you know, taking a break from their podcasting or maybe they're working on, 
like Sphere took 20 years to write, maybe they're still working on their next series and it's going to be so mind-blowing and have an 11% audience score <laughs> or whatever it was. <laughs> that it'll be worth the wait in the end. But either way, in the meantime, you can read those books if you want. Mm-hmm. I, quite, I quite like that. I thought that was quite good advice. Um, I'm going to go in a slightly different direction because I'm quite a big fan of the saying, prepare for the worst and hope for the best, you know? And Say that without any T's now. Prepare for the worst and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't MJ say that in the latest Spider-Man or something like that? She says, like, if you act disappointed, disappointed it can't, disappointment can't be disappointed or something like that. Probably yeah, it's, it's that better. Bell. It's exactly yeah. the same phrase. <laughs> <laughs> I remember at the time thinking, how eloquent. <laughs> <laughs> My dad always used to say, Proper preparation prevents piss poor for performance. <laughs> Is that the same thing? Say right? that about any tease. <laughs> Proper preparation prevents piss poor performance. Uh, I don't think it is the same because oh, okay. that's saying... Uh, that's saying... If you don't, don't worry, prepare. I was, we, I was just trying to lead you down a hole of <laughs> other phrases. Sorry, yeah. carry on. But it's fine. Because um, what, what, what this is saying is, you know, you can always hope for the best. And if, if the best does happen, then brilliant. But if the best doesn't happen, which often, sadly in life, it doesn't, you can... Are you saying Mr. Pickles' favourite podcast might never return? Well, I think this is what he needs to be prepared for. Oh, mm. shit. Incidentally, do you know who that quote is attributed to? Prepare for the worst, hope for the best? Um, MJ from Spider-Man <laughs> <laughs> My dad I thought you might know Aaron Because he's a famous writer I think uh, I'm, a, I'm a little bit ashamed That I, I feel like I should know more about Benjamin Disraeli But I don't Oh yeah Is he um, not also a Prime Minister? Yeah <laughs> He wrote novels though didn't he? Is he not Prime Minister first novelist after? Or I don't know did both at the same time. <laughs> Did he? Like your sphere guy. He was writing fan fiction about his own <laughs> prime ministerhood. Yeah. Disraeli vampire hunter. <laughs> yeah. In his book, The Wondrous Tale of Alroy, which was published in 1833, I think, quite a long time ago, uh, one of his characters said something along the lines of, I am prepared for the worst and hoping for the best or something like that. Mm. Um, and I think that's the oldest known usage of the phrase. But I could be wrong. Maybe they used to say it in uh, medieval times too. <laughs> <laughs> Hedging your bets. Go on. <laughs> so, yes, Mr. Pickles, while I hope that your favourite podcast does come back to you, I do think you need to steel yourself and prepare for that possible unhappy outcome of it never returning. And I'll tell you, there's a pop megastar who can help you out with this. As long as you believe. Sure. Nailed it, Carl. Sure. So, yeah, we go, I'm talking about Cher's 1998 anthem. I think we'll all agree it's an anthem. And I thought... You got this from my barbecue last week, didn't you? This idea. <laughs> we were at a barbecue at Carl's house last week, listeners, and it came on, and your wife, Liam, said to me... Liam's always going on about this song. <laughs> Did he, you? he always says to me, this is the first song that used auto-tune. Interesting that she says that, because I have never thought that in my life. <laughs> Maybe it was her other husband. <laughs> but we're going to talk about that a little bit, actually. Um, but yeah, I thought it would be fun, since this is such a massive banger, I thought it would be fun to have a little bit of a share-believe... Oh, quiz, asshole. ...pit you two against each other once again. Ooh. All right. 
I don't know many facts about believe, do you? <laughs> well, this is more of a, a guesstimation game. She believes oh, okay, in right. life after love. <laughs> <laughs> no, she asked, do you yeah, believe? Yeah, she doesn't no, no, she offer doesn't her know. opinion at all. No. <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> so basically, I'm going to ask you a question, and the answer is going to be, I think, believe. in most cases, a number. Oh. Maybe in all cases. I can't remember. I wrote this a while back. And you both have to guess what you think is the closest answer. All right. So, question one. Do you know, or can you take a guess, at what number studio album this title track came from, for Cher? Her 23rd studio album is my guess. I'm confident it's 17. How confident, Carl? Would you bet your house on it? Confidence is waning. (laughs) (laughs) I held my breath when I heard you say 20, because it's the 22nd. Can you imagine? <laughs> One year less than the oldest dog in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Not only is this a 20-second album, it reached number one in a whole bunch of different countries. <laughs> How many countries? Is that the next question? Ooh, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> but can you imagine? Like, I can't even imagine having 22 albums, let alone having a 20-second album that was just... I think Electric Six are probably album. on their way there by now. When, yeah. 20 when, you can, when the layman can name probably no more than four or five share songs... 22 mm. album does seem excessive, doesn't it? Mm. Mm. Maybe right. they're all cover albums of other artists. Whoever's done the best album that year, Cher mm. just releases a cover <laughs> album of that album. Or they've all got the same four songs on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe I'm still doing this song? <laughs> <laughs> Another year's passed. Question two. Can you guess the number of the Lockdown Lights episode in which Carl claimed that this was the first song to use auto-tune. Oh, <laughs> is that why your wife thinks that? Eight. Okay, I reckon nine. Sorry, Carl, you went the wrong way. Aaron gets oh. the point. It <laughs> Were was... you trying to do a Price is Right thing? <laughs> 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 it was episode six, This Isn't Therapy. Ah. That was the original answer I was going to ask you to guess. Oh, oh that was the um, Married at First Sight episode. Australia, was it? This isn't therapy. I'm not here oh, to hear. Yeah. So, Cole. Virgin Liam. <laughs> he's not a snack, he's a whole meal. <laughs> Heaven's a Betsy. So, yeah, Cole did claim it was the first song to use auto And, Cole, I can forgive you for believing that because. Do you believe? <laughs> There are quite a few articles out there that make that claim, but it is probably false because Autotune was released in September 1997, over a year before Believe was released, and it was intended by the creator simply to subtly fix vocal mistakes. And when it's used well, you don't notice it at all. You can't even tell it's there. So it's almost certainly been used by producers before then when it came out, but no one noticed because it was so difficult to spot. Well, the first, yeah, but it used it as like a motif, didn't it? So mm. it's the first, it's probably the first song to be like, this is banging. Let's m- first song to be sponsored by Auto Tune. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, do, do you? I stand you, by the fact. Do you have any strong opinions on Auto Tune? Oh, really? Um, sometimes it sounds properly shit. <laughs> yeah. But mm. sometimes music without Auto Tune sounds properly shit as well. So <laughs> this is true. I think I like it when it's used like creatively, and I think this is a good example of it being used creatively. Mm. Um, they they intentionally made it very obvious in this case because they the, basically they, you have like a pitch correction speed uh, that you can set to like a matter of milliseconds. If you set it to zero, it sounds really weird and robotic, and that's what they did here. 
but normally people set it to a bit further so it takes a little bit longer for it to correct the pitch and it sounds a lot more natural um but yeah this, this what they've done here gives it a more distorted and robotic feel and I've got a fun fact, actually, that I use the exact same... Is this a fun same... fact within a quiz, or is the quiz over? What's no, the, qu- the quiz is still going on. This is a fun fact within a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Liam's gone mental this series. <laughs> We've gone down the share-believe share rabbit hole. <laughs> Liam literally has no respect for timings <laughs> nah. at all. He was the one who was like, we should do half-hour episodes, not yeah. an hour. <laughs> yeah. Half-hour takes... of me! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> half-hour per problem, just for himself. <laughs> Can I say my fun fact now? <laughs> Come on, yeah. Make it quick, though. No, it was Do it like your uh, <laughs> tongue twister. Well, the, the fun... <laughs> no, no tease. Bet, Betty's better auto-tune. The fun fact was that in our, in our robot jingle, you know, mm. the uh, can you help me with my problem yeah. jingle, I use the exact same settings as Cher believed in auto-tune to get that robot ah. voice sound. Okay, let's continue with the quiz. Question three, Aaron's two up. Carl, you could lose on this question. Ooh. Will it, will it be over then? Cole, you can guess first this time, because <laughs> okay. I've been letting Aaron guess first. How many questions are there, by the way? Five. Five? <laughs> Fucking hell, let's hurry this up. Can We're 40 you, minutes into recording. Can you guess where this song roughly charts on the best-selling singles of all time? Four. Number four, says Carl. What do you reckon, Aaron? Eight. It was a bit of a gamble going for four, I think, Carl, because there's a lot of numbers after four. <laughs> and not many before it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything over five. <laughs> I refuse uh, to believe there are numbers over five. <laughs> Aaron gets the point. It's actually number twenty-four, just behind YMCA. And do they know it's Christmas? Ah. Carl, we'll start with you again. Do you know how old Cher was when this song was released? I'm gonna say fifty-four. Fifty-four. Aaron. Fifty-three. What a bastard. <laughs> the Did answer is 52. <laughs> You're an absolute wanker. <laughs> All right, so for the sweep, Aaron, you can go first on the last question. Can you guess how many countries this song reached number one in? Oh, zero. 23. Carl. 24. Carl, you went the wrong way. <laughs> The answer is 21. For fuck's sake. <laughs> I didn't know Aaron was making educated guesses. We were just throwing numbers out there. Yeah, he I wants was. to win this. Most of my guesses were 23 or 8. <laughs> it's number one in 21 countries, including the US, UK, Australia, Canada, Spain, Italy, France, Germany, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, and Hungary. Fuck me. Can you imagine being number one Speaking in all of those Hungary. countries? You hungry? Snackies? No. <laughs> um, so, I know so what you're thinking. So where does this get Mr. Pickles? Uh, exactly. What's the point? Well, <laughs> if, like Cher, you believe in life after your podcast love, but, like Cher, you can feel something inside you saying, I really don't think you're strong enough, <laughs> don't despair. <laughs> Cher will tell you that you do have the strength inside to overcome this. And for evidence of that, just listen to the bridge, which goes... I know that I'll get through this. I know that I am strong and I don't need you anymore. You don't need that podcast anymore, Mr. Pickles. And yeah, you don't, you don't need no one. And least of all this rubbish sounding podcast with hosts who can't organise themselves to release content more frequently, you know? <laughs> so or that's res- the point. Or respect timings. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I've got to say on the matter. Oh, well, oh, thank oh, fuck oh. for that. <laughs> Clear, concise. <laughs> <laughs> right, luckily I'm going to whiz through mine. And describe the plot of 25 films. No. No. <laughs> With a quiz for each one. 
Um, I do kind of blow my load on this problem and mention a lot of films, <laughs> but I'm actually going to do the opposite of the thing you hate and not describe a jot about them. Oh, okay, so, yeah, good. I'm going to just throw like film titles at you. All right. Um, so first of all, a little story. Sit on the carpet and I'll begin. <laughs> I've probably mentioned a few times that when I was younger, I was like a massive Star Wars fan in my, in my youth. And, you know, I was, am I still? Yeah, I don't know. But when <laughs> I was a kid, and it started in 97 when the original trilogy was re-released at the cinema and with new scenes. It's the first time there was new like Star Wars content for since like whatever 83 I think when the last one came out mm. and I had the I had the VHS box set it was a lovely gold box it, mm. I loved it absolutely loved it <laughs> um, and I watched all three three films every Sunday it was my ritual at the time I was nine years old and they'd announced that in 99 the new film would come out episode one mm. I remember thinking fuck two years I've got to wait for this and not only that they announced all the release dates and I worked out that I'd be 17 before episode 3 comes out <laughs> practically dead yeah and I was just like I could not comprehend this as a 9 year old thinking what's the fucking point of this <laughs> Seven, six years ago I wait to yeah. see these three films um, and I remember I was walking down Elton High Street contemplating life thinking this just isn't worth it Elton High Street you just doxed yourself I know what I've spent all this time not doxing myself <laughs> I doxed myself with a rag on a stick <laughs> I doxed myself <laughs> um, I remember telling my granddad like, in a really restless way like, oh I can't wait for these films but anyway between 9 and 17 I had to wait but I kind of forgot about this because in the interim these films come out so in 2000, Castaway, Gladiator, Black Hawk Down, 2001, Monsters Inc., Shrek, Spirited Away, 2002, Born Identity, Bowling for Columbine, City of God, Gangs of New York, The Ring, Spider-Man, 2003, Finding Nemo, Kill Bill Volume 1, Love Actually, Master and Commander, The Matrix sequels, Old Boy, Terminator 3, X-Men 2, 2004, The Born Supremacy, Dawn of the Dead, Downfall, The Incredibles, Kill Bill Volume 2, Saw, Shaun of the Dead, Shrek 2, Spider-Man 2, Troy... <laughs> and and these are all part of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> <laughs> these are all films that they're not all good, but like I loved at the time, and I was like, mm. these are amazing. And not to mention, in two thousand one, two, and three, Peter Jackson bashes out Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> bashes it, bashes out. it out in three years. It took George Lucas and a green screen eight years to make three films, and films that were kind of. Received with mixed reviews, weren't yeah, they? And not like really, he got a lot yeah. of criticism. That's yeah. a very political way of putting <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Well, now people kind of look at them fondly because of how much people hated seven, eight, and nine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you think, oh, it's not all that bad. You don't go back to see this is wicked. <laughs> yeah. You see a little bit of glimmers of like goodness in it. But so my point is quite simple: in that you might have to wait, but look around you, what's coming out, because there's some great stuff That's to true. look forward to in the interim. Can you help me with my problem? I think that it might be a long shot. My problem is you see that no one believes that I am not a robot. Executing procedure. Problem solving. All right, well, let's move on to problem two. I gave it all up to be a musician and follow my passion. It's been six months now and I haven't earned a penny. Nothing I write is any good and everything feels like such a big effort. As much as I like Liam, it grinds my gears that he can seemingly just knock out one of your amazing jingles effortlessly. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Should I go back to the daily grind or stick it out and follow my dream, even if it's doomed? 
imagine giving up your job, giving up everything to pursue a podcasting career, for instance. That's just an <laughs> example that I took off the top of my head. Uh, and then it fails. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Can I sleep at either of your houses tonight? <laughs> It does sound like a great idea, doesn't it? To give it up and follow your passion, but unfortunately, life kind of gets in the way. Well, it, mm. it depends what your passion is, I think, doesn't it? Because there are there are certain passions that are easier to follow. Like if you really love being Only an accountant, oh. <laughs> I don't think anyone does. <laughs> being an accountant, yeah. I'm going to quit my boring job as a musician and become an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean is, there's certain jobs that lend themselves well to uh, there's certain passions, I should say, that lend themselves well to being a career. And Are you passionate ones? about medical cures, Liam, that you make? Medical cures? Mm. I, I don't know how many times I need to say this, Cole, but I do not make <laughs> medical cures as my job. No, you program them, don't you? <laughs> program medical cures. <laughs> that chip you've been implanted with, Carl, yeah. on three occasions mm. in 2020. Yeah, the Bill Gates can track yeah. my movements, yeah. I programmed yeah. it. He programmed it with the help of his mate, Bill. Bill Gates. <laughs> well, since you were called out by name by this person, Liam, after we've come up with a... Name for them. Maybe you should go first. Yeah, okay, yeah. Who's a rubbish musician? Chad Kroger? <laughs> Chad Kroger. <laughs> Chad. Chad. <laughs> I actually don't uh, mind Chad Kroger. <laughs> Very sorry, Chad, That's if sorry, you're listening. He's one of those names, though, isn't it? And yeah. a country. Uh, well, Chad, I, I mean, I do know the feeling. In in my younger years, I'm, Aaron will probably tell you, I was very enthusiastic about being a professional musician. I mean, we, we were in... <laughs> Aaron makes <laughs> surprised face. <laughs> we, we, well, we were in bands together, mm. at least one. And um, I feel like I took it really seriously at the time. I don't know, maybe you disagreed. I thought you treated it like you treat this podcast, Liam. Half-assed, and then when you did turn up, you wanted all the attention. <laughs> it took all the time in band practice, just doing your solos. I'm only joking. Liam actually looks hurt for the listeners. I'm just trying to remember whether that was true or not. It could have been. <laughs> you know, I was a bit of an idiot when I was younger. When he did his solos, did you have to go solo? <laughs> I did want to be a musician and I definitely could have probably tried harder to make that dream a reality. But at the end of the day, it's the a clock very... ticks life away. Oh. <laughs> it's so <laughs> unreal. Uh, and then you looked out below. <laughs> I watched the time go right out the window. <laughs> Trying to hold on, but you didn't even know. You wasted it all. <laughs> Just to watch you go. <laughs> you kept everything inside, and even though you tried, it, it all, all fell apart. What it meant to be will eventually be a memory of a time. I don't know how much of this we can keep. <laughs> <laughs> Probably none. All of it. It's fine. Yeah, they, no, they're cool, guys. I'm leaving that in. And in fact, I'm going to cut it off there as if that was the advice you gave. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what I was gonna say chad is at the end of the day being a professional musician it's a very difficult thing to do and it and it requires i mean a lot of people tell you it requires hard work but i think more importantly than that it requires a lot of luck and a lot of knowing of the right people Mm. and this this brings me to my point which is emphasized really strongly and this is not this is not the happiest point but i think there is some optimism in there somewhere Emphasised very strongly in the 1968 hit of the same name by the Rolling Stones, and it's you can't always get what you want. Mm. It's a fact of life, you know. Sometimes you want ham sandwich for lunch. Look in the fridge, got no ham. <laughs> you can't always get what you want. Uh, ham sandwich. It's one of those things that like is a backup almost. I'll never go. 
Oh, ham sandwich. Oh, but if you know, like, if you can find a shop that still has a deli counter, because mm. not many big supermarkets do, if you can find one and they do the nice deli ham, ham on the bone, slice there. Mm, that is good. That is good. You're right. Oh, and a crusty white roll. Oh, shove it in my gob. <laughs> oh. Well, stick your finger up yeah. my bum. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm a simple man of simple pleasures, but. For a long time, I was I was having ham and cheese and mayo. Whenever I had ham, it'd be ham, cheese, mayo sandwich. I'd be like, nice. oh yeah, I love it. But then one day I thought, you know what? I just want ham and a bit of butter. And I had it and I was like, this takes me back. You ever, a bit you know, of butter, bit of butter. A bit, a bit, a bit, a bit of <laughs> <laughs> Ham on beurre is a French classic, isn't it? Um, it took me back to, you know when you used to go to parties when you were a kid and they had like sandwiches out and they'd always have like just ham and butter. Yeah. And I'd, and I'd eat one and I'd be like, oh yeah, that's pretty nice. That's yeah. pretty nice. Joe, my dad's, uh, my dad's always said, if someone's lucky, I might have told you this before, you go, it'd fall in a sewer and come out of a ham roll. <laughs> <laughs> Not joking. Yeah. What does it mean? He's lucky. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's got a <laughs> fell in disgusting a... ham roll. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what do you eat it? <laughs> ham roll stings. <laughs> so How did we get here? We've from, got on a bit of a tangent <laughs> of ham sandwiches. My favourite um, pret sandwich is the ham on burn now. It's butter, ham and gherkins. It's delicious. Mm. £3.15 we, we from could... prep. We could go further and start talking about gherkins, but I think we should leave it there. I'm not a fan of gherkins. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going there. <laughs> no, go on, go on, go on. Um, so we're talking about, if if you remember, we're talking about you can't always get what you want by the Rolling Stones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which reminds me of ham sandwiches. Have either of you eaten a ham sandwich lately? <laughs> what is ham? <laughs> I've got a fun fact about this song. Which... There's a, I'm um, sorry. I really, I really am sorry. But, um, are you aware of the film Noah starring Russell Crowe and Emma Watson? Does he eat a ham sandwich in it? No, but um, one of the, Noah's children's called Ham and um, Emma Watson just shouts Ham Ham and I've always wanted to make a little meme where someone's saying I'm really hungry um, what can I have for my sandwich and her just going Ham anyway carry on Liam You Can't Hurry Love by Phil Collins <laughs> um, yeah I've got a fun fact about Phil Collins no I haven't it's the Rolling Stones cult you can't always get what you want I've got a fun fact about that is it that when the Supremes did it they released it a week before England won the World Cup and when when the Rolling Stones recorded it they were trying to recreate the sound of Diana Ross <laughs> fuck we need to get back on, to- on track and they lost the original recording and then they re-recorded it the- a year later and it got to number 26 and it was the first time to use auto-tune <laughs> and my sister-in-law's colleague wrote it and one of our jingles is- uses a very similar effect <laughs> alright I've got a fun fact the- this- you're going to laugh now I've got a fun fact that's going to need a bit of context so we're going to have to go down another tangent oh fuck but there was, 21 minutes later. There was, look, fuck off, you started the last one. <laughs> there was, it seems, quite a lot of animosity between John Lennon and Mick Jagger. Did you know about this? No. It seems like something that should be more well known. But So in, a, in an interview with Rolling Stone co-founder Jan, I want to say Venner, it might be Wenner. Sorry, I don't know. Sorry, Jan, if you're listening. In 1970, Lennon really ripped into the Rolling Stones. Um, and here's a quote from it. He said, I would like to just list what we did and what the Stones did two months after on every fucking album. Every fucking thing we did, Mick does exactly the same. He imitates us. And I would like one of you fucking underground people to point it out, you know? Satanic Majesties is Pepper. We love you is the most fucking bullshit. That's all you need is love. He was really angry about this. Mm. Is it true? Have you listened to them? Um, Side by side. I should have done, shouldn't I? But I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um... The thing is, the Rolling Stones are still t- still touring, aren't they? Yeah, John Lennon's not, is he? 
If John Lennon's so smart, how come he's, he's dead? So <laughs> 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 That's a Homer quote, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> isn't so, it Johnny Newspaper Seed? Yeah. <laughs> he's all the newspapers. So, so because of this, some people, like Richie Unterberger of All Music, consider you can't always get what you want to be the Rolling Stones' answer to Hey Jude. Um, they don't really sound like each other. You can't get what you want. <laughs> get what you want. Hey, Jude. <laughs> That's how it goes. <laughs> um, they don't really sound like each other, but Mick Jagger was quoted in 1969 saying, I like the way the Beatles did that with Hey, Jude. And this was this was just before they recorded the album. The orchestra wasn't just to cover everything up. It was something extra. We might do that on our next album. <laughs> and you can't always get what you want. It doesn't have an orchestra in it, but it does have the London Bark Choir and a French horn. You can't always get what you want. That was absolutely beautiful. <laughs> That's my French horn. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as I can find, there's never been a lawsuit. Uh, between the two so I don't know maybe he wasn't that bothered or maybe he died before he wanted to sue him is it, is it a real problem that like the Beatles were defined an era of music and people wanted to be like them like what's like if it is true they should be um, they should be happy about it shouldn't they really well, yeah. Not, yeah, yeah or like flattered you can't have your cake and eat it you can't no. always get what you want <laughs> and you can't like, hurry you life sometimes <laughs> <laughs> well we'll get to that <laughs> so what do you do Chad See, the thing is, you have a passion, and I don't think you should give up on your passion. But I do think you need to adjust your expectations. Because, let's face it, and I know you probably don't want to hear this, but you're probably not going to become a world-famous musician. (gasps) Poor Chad. As you know, he's not Jimi Hendrix unless he picks up a guitar. (laughs) Call back. But the thing is, Chad... Wants to be a rock star. (laughs) 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 Carl's on the toilet again. It's your Brian Adams impression, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> um, but yeah, I know, I, I know I know people hate to hear that. I think a careers advisor told me that once. And I was like, at the time, I was like, yeah, uh, you say that, but I'm still going to try. <laughs> I don't think I said that. You can't hold me down, you man. You still got to kick a speaker over. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't, you can't argue with statistics. And there's a couple of websites online, uh, like shamoop.com, that seem to have data suggesting you have a better chance of winning the lottery than making it big as a musician. Shit, boy. Um, and there's not many lottery winners out there. No. There? Which lottery, though? Um, probably the American one. <laughs> don't know. Yeah. So despite the fact I've just told you that as if it was a fact, I couldn't actually verify that data. But there is a guy called Caleb J. Murphy who runs a blog called Musician with a Day Job. Not Caleb. And sure. Is, is that how you say it? Have I, <laughs> I, have I so, done yeah. his name wrong? He's done a more scientific review of the data, and, and it's actually a bit more optimistic. And these are his takeaways. Thousands of people make a middle-class salary as full-time musicians. To get there, you need to be patient and work at it, probably as a part-time musician for a while. Of course, it's highly unlikely you'll get famous. And he also quotes from a survey conducted in 2019 by the Creative Independent, who summarised that personal connections and a supportive social circle are critical in sustaining a career as a musician. Mm. So it's not something you'll be able to do alone, Chad. Finally... Thank fuck for that. Caleb draws a conclusion. No, just finally about Caleb. This must come. <laughs> this is two pop quizzes. <laughs> Are you joking, Liam? <laughs> finally, he has a conclusion that is, just strikes really true to me, which I'll quote him directly. 
The most important reason you should try to make a living as a musician is for the deep reward of making music that matters, music that connects you with other humans. And I totally agree with that, because I think, you know, music isn't about making money. It's, it's art, after all, and you should be able to follow your passion and enjoy it, regardless of whether you're earning money from it or not. It's a bit of a problem, Chad, that you've already given up everything to do it. Mm. Maybe you should consider going back to work. That was Chad's biggest error. I always feel embarrassed when people talk about, like, my father-in-law will often say to like his relatives that did you know Aaron's published a book and it's nice that he's proud of that but I feel embarrassed talking about it because it's like people probably hear that and think oh he probably wants to be a famous writer and he's failing but I don't really I'm just doing it as a hobby and it was nice to get it out there so it is nice to just create but I always feel like people are going to think he probably wants to be a famous author and he's failing at it but I don't know what I mean yeah but it's impressive just to have released a book yeah, and it's like this podcast. Like when yeah. I, when we talk to people about the podcast, I always think they probably think we're trying to really, you know, make it and be big podcasters. But mm. we just have fun making the I podcast. Just, and so. Yeah, you're right. Cause I'm not. I'm, that's what I say to people. Like it's just a bit of fun. They're yeah. Because like, people say how many listeners you got. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, and as as you say, Liam, the act of creating is what should be what drives it, and it is what with this and with like my writing, which I don't do that much anymore anyway, but. The moment you give up your job and assume that it's going to pay your bills, that's the mistake that Chad made, I think. And as you mentioned earlier, Rolling Stones, at the end of the chorus, they say, if you try sometimes, you might find you get what you need. And that is my conclusion, because even if you want to be famous, you might realise eventually that's not really what you need. What you need is to express yourself and do, you know, do the art side of it. Express yourself. So, yeah, don't give up on music if you love it. It can always be a part of your life. You can do what I do and just write stupid little jingles for a podcast. (laughs) But you can't do what you do. You just said that. You (laughs) arrogant prick. In the problem. (laughs) And I will conclude finally. (laughs) We've heard three finalies by now. (laughs) (laughs) Just by saying, don't let getting what you want get in the way of getting what you need. Mm, Dig a little deeper. Find out who you are. Where'd you come from? Where'd you go? (laughs) (laughs) And that's me done. Who's next? Well, that's all we've got time for this week. uh... It would have been shorter if you stopped fucking interrupting. (laughs) I don't think you would be, though. We're going to let Carl get all through it without interrupting (laughs) him once. (laughs) That was really great. Thanks for that. 2003 brought us a real good film. I didn't list in problem one, actually, but I should have done. School of Rock. Ah, oh, what a film. Great film, We've isn't discussed it? it before on the pod, just mm. as a side thing, haven't we? Like, we have. Uh, and great Liam, film and Liam great seen the uh, musical. musical well. yeah. really, really good. Got panned by critics, except Liam, who loves it. <laughs> <laughs> and the most impressive thing about it is all the kids are like, I think, nine or ten, something like that. Yeah. They play all the instruments live. We've had this conversation. They are so good. That's what's amazing about Matilda as well. Like, they're not playing instruments, but the kids are just amazing. But mm-hmm. you can imagine they all come from really pushy families, <laughs> can't yeah. you? That yeah. kid... Has never Why aren't been, you Matilda yet? Yeah, that kid has <laughs> never been allowed to have fun, <laughs> basically. Are you playing a game? You should be practising your singing, you shit. <laughs> Get back in the cupboard. <laughs> um, directed by Richard Linklater, which um, I saw that name and I thought, I know that name. And it's because he also directed Boyhood. Have you heard of Boyhood? Is that similar to Kidulhood? No, completely different, actually. It's an experimental film. It filmed it over 12 years. It's about a boy growing up and they... All oh. the, the cast stay the same and they film it periodically mm, wow. so that you can see them growing up, essentially. 
Had it, had it on Blu-ray, not seen it. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, what if they get like halfway through and realise they need to redo a scene from 20 years ago? Yeah, exactly. Or, <laughs> or one of the cast members goes, actually, I want to pursue other opportunities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kill, kill them off. <laughs> but interesting know. though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. John Malkovich has, made, has just made a film called 100 Years, which won't be released until 21, 22. It's called The Movie You'll Never See. <laughs> I swear to God, it's true. Look it up. Look it up. Who's going to finish it? Well, it's made, but it won't be released until 21, 22. Imagine that 100-year wait, and then you watch it, and then you think, that was shit. This is yeah. so dated. <laughs> and, we'll be, yeah. and we'll be floating around. We don't even watch films anymore. We're heads in jars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. on now, guys? Move my jar. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so... School of Rock, I don't really need to summarise too much, but like layabout, down and out slob, Dewey Finn. He's a passionate rock musician who's not making it, just like Chad, unfortunately. Um, he gets fired from his band. No, vacancy, they called. <laughs> um, because he's a little bit too um, enthusiastic. Yeah, and he kind stage of, diving and stuff. Yeah, 20 minute solos, like it. Liam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had to start saying, no solo. <laughs> <laughs> Because he gets fired from his band, he's not making any money. And Ned Schneebly, who plays by Mike White, who did something that Liam mentioned before. What did we say Mike White did? He wrote uh, something. Uh, no, it was me. It was White yeah. Lotus, That's the yeah, series yeah. on HBO. Yeah. yeah, cool. Very good. Um, he evicts him from his flat. So he's an old friend, um, Ned Schneebly and Dewey Finn. They're old friends. And they used to be rock stars together. Not stars, but rock people together. Mm. And um, <laughs> Rock people. <laughs> <laughs> you might have heard of me. I'm a rock person. <laughs> Like the trolls in Frozen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a love expert. Um, Nitch Neebly's like kind of, he's a teacher now and he's got like a straight lace girlfriend that wants Dewey out. And Sarah I would Silverman. be the same, I think. I think I'd be Nitch Neebly in this situation as well. Mm. Um, she played with Sarah Silverman. Did you say that? Yeah, yeah. I said that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's like, she doesn't age. No, she looks the same she, age now. Yeah. As she Is she did still then. around? Yeah. I've not seen yeah. her in ages. If you see her, she'll look like she did in School of Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine her in School of Rock. That's her now. <laughs> <laughs> so Dewey answers a call uh, on in the apartment phone um, asking for Ned to be a substitute teacher at um, Horace Green School. Mm. And it's the principal calling, who is uh, Jesse from Toy Story. Yeah, Joan Cusack. Cusack. I did not know yeah. that. She's principal money. <laughs> Listen to her voice. What, right now? now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and he kind of, he needs a job, so he says, yeah, this is Ned Schneebly, and he takes the job as a teacher, turns out. <laughs> Actually, it's Schneebly. <laughs> <laughs> um, turns out he's a terrible teacher, because he doesn't know how to teach, doesn't know anything, and the kids actually know more than him when they do math. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he realises that um, all the children seem to have like some kind of talent in music. He's very lucky, really, that they're all professional musicians, isn't he? He is mm. really lucky, yeah. And then he has a revelation that maybe they can be the rock band, and he could be the lead singer, and they'll let his ego run wild. Um, and they have to adapt a little bit. The bassist he selects is a cello player, and he goes, turn on his side, cello, you got a bass. <laughs> One of my I still say that now, for anything. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. And we always do, me and my wife do yeah. the... Um, I forget what he gets into play. Maybe dun, dun, yeah, dun. smoke on the water. Yeah. Between each bar, he's going yes <laughs> and stuff like that. We always like when we're doing something. I'll be like, oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, I wonder if this like this film influenced everyone around our age. Yeah. It is great. It's it fantastic. is a great. It's a really good film. Yeah. 
So they pretend to learn the curriculum, but actually prepare for Battle of the Bands, where he, he's going to challenge no vacancy for the prize. But it all, get, it all kind of unravels, and it, well, he gets paid for it, but the check goes to Ned Schneebly, and Ned Schneebly's like, or Schneebly, he's like, I didn't work at Horace Green, and he phones up, and he's I rumbled. I told you to make it out to cash! <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> and then as the, as the parents are arguing with him, he goes, listen... Your kids have touched me, and I'm pretty sure I've touched them. (laughs) (laughs) But he's right because he's really—I was going to say—he really has touched the kids. But (laughs) he's um, he's sparked something in the kids, and I think they are like what you said, Aaron. Um, Well, you get—they're all very. They've got pushy parents. They've got, I think, um, Zach's dad, who's the guitarist, is like, I found these CDs, yeah. which is the homework. And it's like all... No more rock music. Exactly, yeah. Um, so they found an outlet, which um, Dewey's helped them find, and they actually want to go and play the show. So so they kidnap Dewey and take him to the Battle of the Bands to play the show. And they come second. But Problem over. <laughs> <laughs> but they play, um, what is it? They say, it's not about winning, it's about playing like one great show or something like that. Mm. And... Um, and even the parents, the parents come to try and save the kids because they think Dewey's kid out them. And they're like, when they find out um, they've lost, they're like, School of Rock, School of Rock, School of Rock. And then they play an encore instead of No Vacancy. Yeah. Oh, is the implication that it was a fix? or I don't, don't think so. I just think it's a bit of a swerve, in it, for the audience. Mm. But I really don't like that they don't play the encore on the film like it. Goes to credit. It goes to mm. the um, end credit scene. Mm. I'm like, I want, I want to hear more School of Rock. <laughs> you only actually hear to get, get hear and play like one song, basically, yeah. don't you? So, what is my point? I hear you call. <laughs> What's your point? <laughs> <laughs> your point's shit. <laughs> <laughs> my point is that if you um, you might find an opportunity to channel this passion another way, like go back to work, get your own money, live life. And maybe people at work, you know, what a jam. Maybe there's another musician there. And mm. you can use that as your creative outlet. So, uh, School of Rock, budget, $35 million. Probably mostly paid to Jack Black, I'd imagine. <laughs> $135 million box office. No bad return on success. investment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, wh- while I did really enjoy the musical, I think the biggest downside to it is that Jack the guy Black who plays Dewey Thing is just not Jack Black. Yeah. That's, the, that's the exact criticism I read about it. Yeah. The call for this episode, I think, is going to be that we should try and get Jack Black as a guest on the show. That'd be great. I'd love Jack Black, yeah. <laughs> Next time you're in London, Jack Black. <laughs> With your brother, Jack White. <laughs> well, Chad, we're way over time again, so I'm just going to keep mine short. I'm going to agree with both of the lads that you shouldn't have given up your job, but you should keep enjoying the art that you create. Get a job and do it in your spare time instead. But... That's not the main crux of my point. What I'm going to say is, you say in your uh, letter, as much as I like Liam, it grinds my gears that he can just seemingly knock out one of your amazing jingles effortlessly. Oh, I know where this is going. Just knock out Liam. (laughs) (laughs) Knock Liam out. No, and you say nothing I write is any good. I wasn't going to slag you off, Liam, if that's what you thought. I thought you were about to say Liam never writes any fucking jingles. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) What I'm saying is, who says nothing you write is any good, Chad? I really liked um, Hero. The uh, song for Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, Hero can save us. Tune. Absolute tune. <laughs> <laughs> There's another guy on that, though. Maybe he carried it. Yeah. Maybe, Chad, you're just ahead of your time and your genius won't be appreciated until people are ready for it or you're dead. So when do you think people will start appreciating Nickelback? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I reckon they were after their time. (laughs) (laughs) We were appreciated in the 60s. Oh, we're behind our time, man. (laughs) So I thought I'd look into who... uh, Big authors that weren't appreciated while they were alive. And I found one that I actually really want to read. Van Gogh. Van Gogh. He (laughs) cut off his ear and wrote with it. In his own blood. (laughs) H.P. Lovecraft. While alive, he was only published in pulp magazines. Have you never read any H.P. Lovecraft? This shocks me to my core. He's right up your street, I think. Exactly. And he was pretty much never able to support himself off of his earnings from his writing. But... Now he's considered one of the most significant authors of supernatural horror in the 20th century. And as I say, Liam, I've never read any Lovecraft, but I really want to and I've always wanted to because there's a lot of things that I like about, or rather, a lot of things that I like, people say are Lovecraftian. Lovecraft baby. (laughs) Lovecraft baby, Lovecraft. (laughs) So... I would say he's one of those authors that it's been so long now that the language can be quite difficult to. Well, it's funny you should say that because uh, it's not only that, the ideas, I think. I think now H.P. Lovecraft is regarded as a humongous racist. So if you find it difficult to separate the art from the artist, then maybe avoid him. But if not, he created Cthulhu. Did he? Carl, who yeah, wrote in to us. Yeah, friend of the show. Yeah. <laughs> wrote in to us with a problem uh, in Series 2, Episode 12. And he's first mentioned in The Call of Cthulhu, which is a short story published in Weird Tales in 1928, and which you can read today in The Great Old Ones, the complete works of H.P. Lovecraft, published by Castanea Classics, which is a book that I have now bought for 99p yes, on it's really cheap. my e-reader, Nameless Brandless e-reader. Other e-readers are available. What what did I say? The one that I just didn't name. (laughs) (laughs) Lots are available. (laughs) So that's what I'm going to read, and that's my point. Over. All right. So I think I think we all agreed though. There really. Um, We pretty much all three of us said at one point or another, "Don't give up your passion. Do go back to work. You fool." (laughs) (laughs) I got a problem. Someone's exploiting me I'm not a pop star I just can't speak properly But they keep recording me Quit it Dear Agony Heart Could you please help me Okay, well, hope that helped, Chad. It's time to move on to question three. I had a great bunch of friends at university, but over the years we've drifted apart, largely due to me acting like an idiot in my younger years. I think we've all been there. I thought a lot recently (laughs) about how much I missed them, but should I extend an olive branch and try and rekindle old friendships? Or is this nostalgia and I should leave the past in the past? I don't want to... I don't know. I don't know if this is offensive or not, but I'm going to say it. This reminded me of you, Aaron. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Hell. Do you feel Why? like this at all? 
<laughs> just because I know that you've had some friends that you used to hang around with that you yeah. think you were an idiot to. I yeah, I was just about to say this is a raw nerve for me. <laughs> this problem. Yeah, when I was at uni, I my girlfriend dumped me, and I had a meltdown and lashed out at a lot of people. And I still think about it even now, like years later, ten years plus, and cringe because oh my god what were you thinking like I was obviously so prideful and hurt and stuff that I just lashed out but you're a different person when you're a kid aren't you and mm. you have to just let that go mm. but oh fuck I think about it and now my stomach drops my heart sinks I get a hot scalp <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh the hot scalp <laughs> <laughs> what about you Carl I, I always think of you as someone with no regrets no regrets. No regrets. Dappy song. Oh, if we're going Robbie Williams. What's Robbie Williams? No, no regrets. They don't work. They only hurt. Do you not remember that? I'm loving angels instead. <laughs> Millennium. <laughs> I don't want to rock. <laughs> Doing it for the kids. <laughs> I've run out. Um, <laughs> yeah, it rings a bell, but no, I was going dappy. But anyway, no, I, I have similar, like, I do have things that I regret, but they don't really affect, like, I don't think about it very often. And I do just dismiss them as so what I was young. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And every, like, everyone does it. That's yeah. the thing. So yeah. all the people that you've offended have things they regret as well. Yeah. And that has to be, that's the only way, healthy way to deal with it, what you just said. You have to just think, well, it happened and I can't <laughs> take it back now. So yeah, exactly. you have to just let it go. But when things like that enter my head, like mm. when we've talked about before, when I called my cousin's husband, Phil, when his name's Rob, that enters my head every now and then, and I just think, "Fuck!" Yeah, we, that, that's the agony art classic. Yeah, is it? Yeah. Exactly. I did the same to um, my um, my sister in law's husband. I just called it like this was a long time ago when he first like came around. I just called him Chris. His name's not Chris. It's just weird. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I get like completely understand this, and it's a shame when like there's people that I was friends with, and still, if we saw each other, I'm sure we'd be friendly but you drift apart. Um, it is a shame, but then I think, you know, you think about all the things you get up to, where, where have you got time for more friends? Like, you know, that's why I've got a closed list. <laughs> I do not have time for you. <laughs> um, well, but, it sounds like you're about to launch into problem solving. I was so we need to name him though, Should we, we call him Chris? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, let's do that then. Chris, Phil Chris, Phil Christensen. Christensen. <laughs> Phil Christensen. Uh, <laughs> um, this reminded me straight away of um, 2013's The World's End, directed by Edgar Wright, the last in the Cornetto trilogy. Mm. Oh, yeah. Which is Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. So this film is about Gary King, played by... Um, I'll put SP here, and it's not Sean Penn. It's um, <laughs> Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a very different film. Um, he's in his 40s, and he wants to recapture his glory days um, by organising a reunion of his three other friends and re-attempt the Golden Mile pub crawl in um, Newton Haven, which culminates at the World's End pub. But it was Gary's, um, like, it was the prime of his life, the best night of his life, and it was the last day of secondary school. Mm. So he's in his 40s now, and he's not regained that kind of feeling of happiness mm. um, in all that time. So um, he convinces all his friends to go. All his friends have moved on, doing various things, good jobs, but they all end up going. Uh, Gary's got exactly the same car as he had that day. 
in 23 years ago and he's got the same cassette in with the same like the same mixtape cassette in the car as well and they're like how did you recreate this he went what do you mean recreate <laughs> they start at the pub crawl everything seems fine but then it soon transpires that the people of the town have been replaced by androids called blanks they get into loads of fights with these blanks is it ever explained it's just quite random isn't it it's very random yeah, yeah. I'll get to the end of it um, but they kind of Gary seems to convince the others that the what they need to do is finish the pub crawl, even though that there's androids everywhere. So the androids working behind the bar as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. yeah. And they're doing like, their jobs. Yeah, it's they're, a bit uh, like the Truman Show, where they're pretending to be like normal people. They they copy the life of the person they replace exactly. All right. They're trying to turn them into blanks. Essentially, the only one that's not a blank is um, the Reverend Green. He's called that because he used to sell them weed. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, and he ends. I think he ends up turning into a blank because they kind of get him caught. But anyway, when they get to the World's End pub and pull the pint, it like takes them to some alien machine. And there's an alien uh, community called the Network who has been responsible for the technological advances in recent years on Earth. And they say if Gary agrees to be a blank, then Earth can join this alien community and prosper forever. But Gary like has a expletive-fueled rant at them about tyranny, says no. And shuts the network down, which plunges the world back into the Dark Ages. Nice. Yeah. Um, but Gary's happier like this. Um, he's actually, throughout the film, he's an alcoholic. Um, and this kind of convinces him to go teetotal. Hmm. And all of his mates Well, seem... at least Gary's all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just uh, yeah. really weird, isn't it? It's so like, odd. Yeah, never Shaun, seen it Shaun of the Dead zombies. Yeah, I get yeah. it. Hot Fuzz, like police mystery drama sort of thing yeah that's really you know can really relate to that and then this is just such a weird film yeah odd sci-fi yeah when they return to the town to do the same thing they did 23 years ago it's completely different so and it reminds me of when I bought an N64 to play Goldeneye about (laughs) five years ago yeah I had such good memories and it just weren't the same so I would say if you're you sound like you're not particularly happy with your lot at the moment but maybe I don't think exploring old friendships where you know they haven't got in touch with you and so maybe just expand on what's good in your life now rather than try and recapture something that probably won't be there anymore yeah i agree you're imagining that you're going to return to them and mm. it will all be hunky-dory again yeah. but what if the in the time between they've become assholes mm. <laughs> what you're saying is things change that's the way it is some things never change like the feel of your hand in, in mine, mine. Frozen. It's uh, Frozen 2, Frozen, yeah. yeah, I thought it was because I didn't recognise it. Uh, I would agree with you, Carl. Well, I'm going to kind of explore what we were talking about before as well, about you might think it's a terrible thing that you did and that you have to kind of atone for it, apologise for it. But maybe you don't. Maybe, you know... That's a film, atonement. just move on. It's also a book. <laughs> <laughs> when you say you were an idiot, Chris... How much of an idiot were you, really? Because there's a, a novel called, and you might not have heard of it, Atonement by Ian McEwan. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> published by Jonathan Cape. Starring Kira Knightley. <laughs> yeah, she's in the book. A 13-year-old girl misinterprets a situation and accuses the wrong man of raping her cousin when she has no proof. Oh, God. That man that she accuses is her sister's boyfriend. And he's sent to prison, even though she had no proof. The rest of the novel follows her adult life, trying to atone for this mistake she made and the lives that she ruined by doing it. And this is a spoiler, so whack the uh, plus 30 if you want to skip it. But I would 
whack plus 30 then whack minus 15 yeah 30 seconds is a long time yeah. but now they would regret it wouldn't they because oh, we've probably no. passed 30 seconds talking about it spoiler <laughs> so <laughs> just say it again if you're still listening <laughs> Near the end of the novel, she sees her sister and this accused boyfriend again. And they actually both refuse to forgive her for what she did. Now, there's a bit more to it than that. There's a lot more story than that. Uh, But I don't want to spoil it all. But in 2019, this book was ranked 41st on The Guardian's list of the 100 best books of the 21st century. And they can say that authoritatively because the 21st century is over, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Best century ever. <laughs> so, 21st century over? I liked no. it because oh, okay. it, it was a very short one. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of the shortest centuries a that leap we've century. had. <laughs> leap century. Leap <laughs> century. Uh, so if you get a chance to read it, do, because obviously it's a very good book. I haven't. The point is, <laughs> if you extend an olive branch to your friends, will they respond kindly or are you likely to be rejected? Were you such an idiot that, you know, you got one of them imprisoned and, <laughs> you know, they're never going to let you back in? And if they do let you back in, but, you know, with suspicion and distrust, is it worth it? Do you want to spend the rest of your friendship trying to make up for the mistakes you made? Maybe, like Carl said, you should just move on. Make new friends, whatever. Maybe go to a screening of the 2007 film Atonement starring Kira Knightley and James McAvoy and make some new friends there. <laughs> hey, guys, do you like this film? And they were like, shh. <laughs> if you remember, in uh, the last series, we um, recommended going to improv class to make friends. Yeah. Did we? Yeah. No, I don't remember that. But You're not. I was improving. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Remembering it. Do you know of a local improv class? Um, no, I don't. I'm afraid. I'm I'm in danger of getting a bit serious with this one. So feel free to Is try it quickly and serious? rein me in. Well, I'm hoping it will be because... <laughs> Do I've, it like the tongue twister. <laughs> serious, but as quickly as possible. <laughs> I've noticed that when I do get serious, you ask less questions. Okay. <laughs> so, that was part of the rationale. Oh, God, he um, looks like he's serious. Let's not interrupt him. <laughs> but, I mean, in general, I'd say I'm not very good at staying in touch with people. And for a long time, I'd always, I think, overthink it a little bit and be like... Oh, I've not spoke to him in a while. It's like, oh, and it's almost like, like paranoia, you know, like, oh, it's too late. They won't want to talk to me, things like that. It would be really awkward. And then last year, some someone that I used to work with who I was once really good friends with actually died quite suddenly from a brain tumour. And she was like around our age. So it was, it was a real shock to me, at least. And and that really, that really did change my perception about, about this sort of thing. Because yeah. like, it just made me realise that, you know, all that stuff I was worrying about is just so unimportant in the grand scheme of things, you know. Mm. And like, it's it's to be totally blunt about it, it, it's never too late until someone's dead. <laughs> yeah. So since then, I mean, if I've ever thought about getting in, back in touch with people, and that, I've always just done it. But I do think, you know, if you were really good friends once, you're probably, chances are you're still going to enjoy really, ca- like really enjoy catching up and there's probably nothing to worry about, you know. So mm. Without meaning to get too sombre, a, a song that comes to mind when I think about this is, is actually, it's another track by LCD Sound System, who I talked about probably a while back now, from the same album as All My Friends, which I talked about last time. Uh, the song is called Someone Great. It was released in 2007 on their Sound of Silver, Sound of Silver album. Fun fact about this song. An instrumental version was previous re- previously released as part of their uh, previous record, 1433, which I don't know if you've heard about this, but it was a 45 minute track commissioned by Nike and publicized as a jogging workout accompaniment that LCD Sound System released. And that was completely instrumental, but 
in the Sound of Silver version, it has it has the lyrics and the vocal line, which is what really packs the emotional punch. Is it still 45 minutes long? Uh, no, it's quite a bit shorter. <laughs> <laughs> in 2016, Kristen Helwig, Helwig? Sorry, Kristen, if you're listening, published a post on Medium.com describing it as the best song about loss ever written, mm. which is quite a bold statement, I think. Um, but it is, it's a very sad song, and it's quite clearly about grieving the recent death of either a friend or a loved one. And there, there's some mystery to this, because the singer and writer James Murphy has always flat out refused to explain who it's about when, when he's asked. He's basically just said, I'm not going to explain it, that's just reducing it. It's... And to be honest, I don't think it really matters, you know. You don't need to know what it's about to, who it's about to appreciate the song. And um, I, I mean, I genuinely love this song, and all of the lyrics in it are great, but probably the most poignant are these. I wish that we could talk about it, but there, that's the problem. And then later, there shouldn't be this ring of silence, but what are the options when someone great is gone? Mm. And I know I said I didn't want to be morbid, but I'm not sure if I can really avoid it, because my advice here is... You, you've gone from like, I'm going to be a bit serious, to this is going to be somber, and now I'm morbid. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting deeper into the well. <laughs> yeah, and the advice here is just get back in touch with them, because if you don't, one of them might die, and then you'll have even more regrets, wouldn't you? <laughs> and if they don't want to be friends because you really were that bad, at least you tried. You're not wrong, Liam. I think he's wrong. <laughs> What's the worst that can happen? There's another great song. <laughs> Doctor Pepper. What's the worst that can happen? Go around there with a crate of Doctor Pepper. <laughs> What's the, the worst that can happen though? They're going to go. No, I don't really want to talk to you. You were a prick. Yeah, but the problem <laughs> is, the problem is, people don't do that. No, they don't. Because that's what, like, in the ideal world, would be like, actually, no, I don't really want to do this, but thank you very much for the offer, but I'm going to carry on my life. What's going on? Oh, nice to see you. That's great. Yeah. You spend 45 minutes catching up. Then be like, fucking hell, that person. Again. Or you oh, might be like, fucking hell, they're a bore now. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> so, but yeah, I agree with the sentiment, Liam. Mm, I agree with your sentiment. Well, I think the majority of our advice there was don't dwell in the past. And Aaron said, avoid rejection at all costs because you might go to prison. <laughs> yeah, that was my advice. <laughs> Get Kira Knightley involved. Yeah. Uh, who do we say this was? Chris. Phil Christensen. Phil Christensen. <laughs> Phil Christensen. There you go, Phil Christensen. I hope that helped you. Mm. And I think that's about all we got time for today. Before we wrap up, Carl, mm. if you had to recommend one piece of art from today's episode, what would it be? Shall I read my list from problem one again? <laughs> um, I'm going to say School of Rock. Enjoy your summer. Brilliant. Love that film. Aaron? Uh, I hadn't actually prepared for that. Shit, boy. You were the one who told me to remind yeah. you. <laughs> uh, as I said, I haven't actually read it, but the fact that it's so critically acclaimed, probably read Atonement by Ian McEwan. That's my advice to me as well. Aaron, when you're editing this episode in the future. <laughs> Are you going to like mid-edit, just read the book? Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to say Someone Great by OCD Sound System because I can't pretty much agree that it's the best song about loss ever written and then not recommend it. So. Yeah, if you've got a spare 45 minutes, listen to it. <laughs> so the actual song is probably about four minutes. Oh. It was just part of a longer But then it plays piece. 11 times. <laughs> And that's about all we got time for for today. So don't forget to check out the episode notes on agonyartpodcast.com. 
To find links to all the media we mentioned today, and for a link to the Agony Art Spotify playlists where you can listen to all of the songs. If you have a problem you'd like us to attempt to solve, you can reach us on our group, Instagram, and Twitter accounts at, at Agony Art Podcast or on the submissions page on our website. Before we go, I'd like to thank our resident Agony Aunts for their stellar contributions this week. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Carl. Thank you. <laughs> and last, but certainly not least, I would like to thank you, dear listener. I thought you were going to thank yourself. <laughs> last but not least, me. For the great content. <laughs> we will be back next week with a special episode with a new format that will shock you. <laughs> <laughs> so we will see you all again then. <laughs> Clickbait in in a podcast. <laughs> Bye. 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 But I'd suggest keep it light, cause their advice can be shite, and they won't be held liable. Oh no, not at all. Not here. The agony art. Agony art. Agony on. But a bit of better, but a lot of make my better, but a bit of better, but a bit of better, but a lot of make my better, but a bit of better, but a lot of make my better, 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 better